0: I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election
1: integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make
2: better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative,
1: and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo. Welcome back to Ukrainian Sitrep. We have with us an extremely interesting guest today, Thierry Laurent Palais. If I didn't say that right, I apologize. He's coming to us from France. He is a geopolitician, a serial entrepreneur, and advisor to senior military officers in France and the U.S., Including General Major General Paul Vallely, U.S. Army retired, and uh, he's highly knowledgeable on Ukraine and the conflict and the culture. And uh, we're going to have an interesting conversation.
2: Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much for welcoming me within your show, and uh, thank you very much to Paul Vallely for having uh, introducing me to you in the way that I can provide some informations to your network. And uh, actually, I'm pretty uh, happy, in fact, to do so because. It is, in my opinion, highly necessary that uh, the American people would be aware of what is really going on within this crisis. And they would understand that this is not of the best interest of Americans, in fact, to be mm-hmm. involved in this conflict.
1: I completely agree. I've been saying that for a decade now, since 2014, <clears throat> actually. But uh, so let's start from the history. How did you get involved in, in the in country?
2: Well, it's very simple. Uh, I was living in US for uh, almost de- uh, decades. And uh, at the moment of the internet bubble blowing up,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I had, in fact, to find a solution because I was working in Texas in a very big group. And uh, of course, I was, uh, I was uh, on the market after this bubble has been blowing. Mm-hmm. And I decided, in fact, to set up a, a startup. So mm. basically, I was working between the Silicon Valley and and Europe and at a point in time I had to find some resources
0: mm-hmm.
2: so basically I have been meeting with the uh, vice president of the Senate uh, the, the Senate in France who engaged me into coming back in my country in fact to put some dynamic on the uh, on the labor market. So basically, after coming back in Europe, uh, I have been visiting some universities in to set up some uh, some partnership, mm-hmm. and I met few uh, Ukrainian uh, guys that were finalizing their PhDs in mathematics, and they have been uh, they have been welcoming me, in fact, to go to Kiev, in fact, to do some recruitments in the way that I would uh, build a pool of engineers. So in 2006, uh, I decided, in fact, to, to go to Kiev. I was introduced to Igor of Chevchuk in the mm-hmm. Cybernetic Institute. I have been interviewing different, uh, different guys, and I saw the level in mathematics and computer science that those guys were providing. So I decided, in fact, to set up offices. Mm. I started by uh, Odessa because uh, one of my team members was supposed to participate to the Olympics of mathematics. So basically, as it was taking place in Odessa, I went there. And uh, I liked very much the city. So basically, I met with a young lady. I decided, in fact, to live with her for several years Mm -hmm. until I had, in fact, to grow my operations. And I have been moving to Kiev because it was more comfortable due to the fact that most of my engineers were located in Kiev. And somewhere in uh, in the south region of uh, the south, sorry, the west region of Ukraine. I had people in the south of Russia. I had people in the Moscow. So mm-hmm. basically, it was very comfortable because it was allowing me, in fact, to move from a place to another one because it was center. It was right. center. Okay? Right.
1: right. So you built a business there and then, and then <clears throat> and it's, you saw everything that happened in Medan and, and from there on, correct?
2: Yeah. Actually, in fact, uh, we need, first of all, to take some uh, some distance out of uh, the events to understand exactly how the Ukrainian society is structured. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, we need to understand that the unifications of Ukraine does not exist on the ethnic point of view. Mm-hmm. You have about 40% of uh, Russian people within the fascist society, because uh, Ukraine was a sort of uh, geopolitical patchwork that was set up during the USSR and the Bolsheviks. Mm-hmm. So basically in the west of Ukraine, you're going to find Polish people, especially in the region of Liv and the, mm-hmm. uh, the Voliny region. You have in the Carpathian region, you have uh, Hungarians. Mm-hmm. In the south, in the in the Chernivtsi region, you have uh, Romanians. Mm-hmm. In the uh, south, east Ukraine, this is mostly Russian, mm-hmm. and with a mix of uh, because there is a, a, a huge Jewish community, and especially in Odessa and Jitomir in the center. Okay, right. so you have a patchwork of uh, religions, of ethnicities, and everybody until two thousand twelve was working and living in a very good, uh, I would say, ambience, and there was absolutely absolutely no tensions. Right. So basically, uh, if we want to understand the crisis of Ukraine, uh, we need, in fact, to focus on the corruption, because this is a very, very serious issue in this country. From the top to the bottom to the top, this is really where in fact the ukrainian society has a major problem
1: and the americans don't understand this at all most don't anyway
2: that is for sure Mm -hmm. so basically let's understand in fact the way that the political structure has been set up in ukraine when the berlin wall has been falling you have all the criminals bandits oligarch Mm -hmm. that has been becoming politician which is completely different From Russia, because in Russia, this is the KGB guys that became, in fact, the oligarchs Mm
0: -hmm.
2: to uh, ensure the uh, industrial and economical stability of Russia. And actually, in fact, Vladimir Putin, when he took over the the country, has been signing a deal with those guys saying, listen, I am focusing on politics. You focus on business and we are not interfering within our uh, common field. Mm-hmm. Uh, our field. And this is the reason why Russia is much more structured on a political point of view and economical point of view. But let's focus on Ukraine. So basically what we understand here is that most of the politicians in Ukraine are coming from the criminal area. Mm-hmm. If you are focusing on Proshenko, for example, This guy used to be involved in the uh, drug trafficking and the woman trafficking. Mm -hmm. Until he has been buying himself a sort of image through the chocolate factories that uh, he has been putting together. Okay, So uh, what we understand here is that most of the, between quote, politicians in Ukraine have been coming into politics to protect their own interest mm-hmm. and they are playing around with the population dissatisfactions in a very sneaky manner in fact mm-hmm. to get a leverage out of it right okay so uh when i came to kiev the first time i have been meeting with a gentleman his name was uh I am not going to give the the family names because he's sure. still at, uh, he's he has been dying from a, a cancer, but he's mm-hmm. still a family there, and I don't want them in fact to be uh, in trouble in regard of uh, the way that the SBU is uh, interfering right now. Yeah. So basically, in fact, this gentleman has been explaining me how in fact the money coming from the West was disappearing, and we are going to focus on the uh, Very particular event, which is, in fact, when uh, the IFM in New York has been sending $16.3 billion to restructure the infrastructure of Ukraine, meaning the roads, the hospital, and so on. And uh, my friend Ergenye was uh, investigating regarding the disappearance of this gigantic amount of money. Uh, during two years, they have been focusing on records within the banks and they have been finding zero record. So basically, what was surprising me within this city is to see that the average salary at this time, when uh, I started to operate in the years of 2006 and 10, uh, the average salary in Ukraine was about $300. And I was seeing a numbers of luxury cars in the street that was absolutely gigantic, and I was not understanding how this was possible. So uh, <clears throat> when, uh, uh, when uh, Yanukovych has been taking over, he has been indicting Timoshenko, who used to be the prime minister of Ukraine, for prevarications. And of course, all the European Union has been raising their hands, making scandals that it was like a, a political means, uh, harassment and so on. But let's focus on the fact that was reported to me by my very dear friend, ergenia who was explaining me how this woman as prime minister of Ukraine has been dealing with Russia to buy their gas going through her own company.
1: Yeah, taking a percentage, yes.
2: So basically, this woman has been putting in her pocket about more than $2 billion, because on top of it, she has been signing an agreement that was against the interest of Ukraine due to the price that was selected to support the transaction. And she has been proceeding so because this was allowing her, in fact, to get a higher commission. This is absolutely incredible to see this.
1: It's the Ukrainian way.
2: <laughs> yeah. Actually, we had a minister in France, Kausak, who has been running a little bit this, uh, this type of uh, transaction. But he was like a sort of beginner, because he was called for 8 million euro. You imagine how we can classify Timoshenko in regards of the money she has been putting in her pocket no these
1: people are these people are professionals definitely yeah yeah yeah
2: this this is another class you know so basically what was surprising is that uh, that was not the first time that uh, timoshenko went to jail because uh, several years before she has been caught through tax evasions and uh, she was also Prosecuted for the murder of uh, the CEO of a company that was uh, competitors of her uh, hub to deal with uh, the the Russian gas, but the proof was never made. So basically, she has been escaping. In fact, this uh, prosecution. Nevertheless, for tax evasion, she has been uh, jailed for four or six years, if I remember. So. Uh, what was surprising is that uh, most of those politicians they were filling their pockets when in fact the infrastructure were absolutely a disaster. And actually when I was living in ODSI, I have been visiting the orphanage. and I saw the kids sleeping on the ground during the winter in card box. Yeah, so basically yeah basically in fact the elites, of Ukraine was filling their pockets when, in fact, the population was completely thrashed. But we need to understand also that uh, the corruptions in Ukraine is a sort of national sport, and everybody is taking advantage of it. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through, in fact, uh, what I have to to think about. Uh,
1: By the well, way, I have your presentation. If you want me to bring
2: it up, you just tell me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I will tell you, in fact, the slide, in fact, to, to put together in the way okay. that you can understand. Okay. So, basically, in fact, the GDP of Ukraine, uh, when uh, uh, at the beginning I was living there, was around $100 billion. Okay. But we need to know something is that 50% of the economy was going through the black market. So, that means that at least $50 billion was escaping taxes. And that was the reason for which, in fact, most of the infrastructure, meaning the schools, the universities, the hospitals, the roads, the bridge, everything was falling apart. And this was due to the fact that nobody in Ukraine wanted to pay tax. Okay. So, uh, if you look at the way that the society was uh, structured, You understand, in fact, why even within the police, you were finding a level of corruption that was absolutely unbelievable. When I was driving in Kiev uh, or in the the full Ukraine, uh, it happens that I was arrested for speeding or whatever. I just had, in fact, to put 20 gravitas in my passport and it was going without any problem. Yeah, you bribed everybody, yes. Yeah, It's a sort of a, a, a road racket, but honestly speaking, 20 now was representing what? 1.5 euro. It does. It didn't bother me, in fact, to pay this because I knew that the level of salary of those police guys was so low that it was yeah. not allowing them, in fact, to have a decent living. So for me, it was a sort of contribution of course. to the being, and it didn't bother me at all.
1: And there's so much corruption that it's kind of a big piece of candy to corrupt American politicians who want to come over and get a piece of these billions,
2: right? Oh, this is another story. (laughs) And uh, we will will go through this because this is absolutely incredible. So uh, basically, when we are looking at the, uh, the Ukrainian society, we are understanding that corruption is the economical backbone that allows it, in fact, to articulate itself and to functions. And actually, when I was speaking with my uh, Russian uh, Russian colleague and uh, especially the people I was working with, they were telling me that uh, Ukraine was so corrupted that it was making all the oligarchs in Russia blushing. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it gives you an idea of the level of corruption you have to deal with. So uh, <clears throat> basically, uh, Let's understand, in fact, the reason why uh, the different institutions that wanted, in fact, to shift Ukraine to Europe have been able, in fact, to do so. I have been receiving the agreements of association to Europe, okay? I have been going through it. And me, as the CEO of a company, I would have never, ever signed this kind of agreement. They were proposing uh, tax facilities and uh, uh, rebates on luxury product coming from Europe. Who was buying this kind of product? A very, very small percentage of the population. So basically, what was the deal out of this? There was no agreements regarding the energy needs of Ukraine. And the energy needs of Ukraine is gigantic because during the winter, the temperature is extremely low. So basically the needs in gas is enormous. Russia was providing uh, agreements with tax rebate regarding, in fact, the gas. So basically that uh, if I had, in fact, to be positioned as a Ukraine politician, what I would have been doing is a three-party agreement, including the Russians and the European. because the best things to do for Ukraine was to be non-aligned and to become a sort of commercial hub between the two blocks. Getting alliance on one of them was losing the advantage that the other one was giving. Kind of like and
1: Kazakhstan is trying to do, be in the middle of everything. Yes.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and actually Kazakhstan has a very uh, particular role in regards of the uh, Silk Road project. Exactly. That China yeah. is putting together with the Belt and Road Initiative. But we can talk about these topics a little bit later.
1: Another interview.
2: yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) so uh basically in fact uh if ukraine did not aligns they would have been beneficiating of the russian energy and they would have been beneficiating of all the product necessary to structure the economy coming from europe Mm -hmm. but the uh, the ukrainian oligarch have been understanding that it was not of their best interest and therefore, they have been deciding, in fact, the alignments on Europe. And for one reason, the Russians, they were buying the bonds of the Ukraine governments to ensure the functioning of their administration. But when you buy bonds, there is no way you can put the hands on the money, okay? It is controlled by the market, it's regulated, so there is no way you can fraud. On the other side, they were knowing that the European Union will be injecting massive amounts of money. And therefore, as those oligarchs, they were controlling the banks, and especially private banks, because it was owned by Kolomoisky, and we will focus on this NTG a little bit later. It was very easy, in fact, to make the money disappearing because they were controlling the bank. Okay, so basically what... Whatsoever... That was
1: Pri- Priva Bank, right? In yeah, private Bank. Yeah,
2: yeah. Whatsoever was arriving, it was very easy, in fact, to put the hands in the pocket. And actually, uh, Kolomoisky was sued for having, uh, having uh, making disappearing, we're going to call that, about 6 billion dollars. So basically, that is the reason why uh, he has been uh, buying a very nice chalet in Courchevel within our ski resort. So basically, what we understand here is that as much as on a marketing point of view, Maidan was was, uh, introduced as a fight against the corruption. In fact, it was the backbone necessary to continue,
1: the corruption, the corruption right for okay. the West as well, yes.
2: And this is another story because I have to tell you something. I have been attending to different meetings within the European Union, uh, and especially in uh, in Austria, that is hosting major economical forum. And during this forum, I was hearing the major banks running uh, Ukraine today, meaning EIB, European Investment Bank, the World Bank, the IFM, uh, saying that they wanted to invest major money to restructure the railroads, the metro, and so on. And I have been challenging most of the heads of those banks to justify the money that was sent for two reasons. The first one... Ukraine was not part of Europe, despite mm-hmm. the agreements of association, which is just like a sort of premise to the intro, uh, to the uh, association. And second of all, because the minister that was managing the infrastructure of Ukraine, Mr. Omelian, have, had been uh, deciding that he was cutting off the ties of infrastructure between Russia and Ukraine so basically we were working extremely hard to make sure that those infrastructure will be set up because we needed a center channel in europe to support the belt and road initiative Mm -hmm. and those guys they wanted in fact to cut it off and ask money for it Mm -hmm. so this is completely crazy in fact to inject money when you know that the money is not going to serve for whatsoever it is supposed to and actually, uh, during one of those meetings, I was challenging the, the heads of those banks and uh, the moderator of the forum, uh, due to the fact that he was not obtaining any answer, has been asking for the director representing the state of Ukraine in terms of infrastructure investments, in fact, to respond the question. Mm-hmm. And the guy was just looking at his shoes. So basically, I've been claiming within the this uh, business community that uh, we would be financing the Porsche Cayenne in Kiev, which was uh, perceived in a very particular manner.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Let's close the parenthesis. So basically, we understand that the story of Maidan was just a story of crook that wanted, in fact, to pump the money out of U.S. and European Union. Mm-hmm. So basically, when uh, the story has been uh, has been brewing in a very violent manner.
1: Which, which by the way, they did. They, they opened it up, the floodgates for corruption for the West to come in and, and and laundromat the money from American aid, et cetera, right?
2: Well, this is something that is very difficult to prove. Yeah. But in regard of the interest and uh, what I know of uh, what is happening within this kind of operation, mm-hmm. You can be sure that this has been happening because everybody has been finding its interest to okay. put the money, uh, to put the hands on the money. Yeah. Uh, General Valery actually was explaining to me uh, during time war how those guys were able, in fact, to, to direct, in fact, the money within their own pockets. So basically, there is absolutely no exception in regard of Ukraine. So now uh, let's see. What, uh, we will focus on uh, the uh, the topics of uh, the agency roles uh, a little bit later within the interview. But I want still to focus on uh, what happens on the on the corruption point of view. So basically, yes. after Maidan, uh, after Maidan, which was uh, the, the how to say that, which was the source of the worst crime. I ever seen in my life, crimes that has been completely covered by the US administration, especially Obama administration, the European administration, despite the fact that I have been raising to different ministers within my countries, what was really going on in this country, which was absolutely not acceptable on a juridic point of view. But nobody cares because there was another interest of maintaining this chaos, OK? So in 2016, uh, I have been contacting uh, General Paul Valéry, explaining him that uh, there was some uh, transactions that were uh, running from Petrovsk to uh, North Korea in regard of the technologies necessary to build the ICBM weapons. And this has been infuriating the him at the point that he went to uh, Washington and talked about it with President Trump. During that time, Kolomoisky was controlling completely in the Nebropetrovsk region. Okay, And this guy was financing the neo-Nazi group, which is kind of surprising in regard of the fact that this guy is Jewish. Yeah. So the mix of uh, gender is kind of uh, curious in regard of... Uh, Of uh, the results.
1: And we should say that Kolomoisky is the sponsor of Zelensky, who also was supporting the Azov and others in in Mariupol and elsewhere. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So basically, in fact, this guy was financing also uh, this group to leverage its capacity of pressure within different entities in Ukraine, in fact, to get richer and richer. Mm -hmm. And at a point in time, he has been uh, raiding within uh, Ukra uh, Transnafta company, the -hmm. company that was uh, uh, responsible for the transit of gas uh, between uh, Russia and Ukraine. So basically, the guy came inside of uh, the headquarters of the company with the Azov Group and uh, pressured the CEO with Kalashnikovs, in fact, to get the certificate of the company. Mm-hmm. And this has been leading to major problem to him because the CIA has been uh, asking him, in fact, to uh, to get back, in fact, the certificates. And right now, this guy is forbidden, in fact, to put his feet in Ukraine and, uh, and in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, actually... Uh, during the same period of time, uh, the Congress was allocating major funds to Ukraine to ensure, in fact, the administration, uh, the administration functioning. And the Senator, uh, no, it was uh, Congressman Stockman that has been identifying that the transaction of 600 million dollar that was sent has been rebounding directly in the Cayman Islands and I have the documents that specify his request to his uh, congressman colleague to stop financing this country because in fact, the money was disappearing straight forward.
1: Yeah, to to Cayman is an offshore financial jurisdiction. So
2: So basically this was kind of uh, In my opinion, it was kind of curious from the US point of view to continue to finance a country that was just becoming a black hole for 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 you. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> this against the interest of... The this American, was
1: before the 130 billion that we've sent.
2: Go ahead. That was another story too. Yeah. So basically, <clears throat> Ukraine wanted absolute... So you know that there was some uh, some frictions between the Russian-speaking uh, speaking people Mm-hmm. and the Kiev administration. Mm-hmm. I am not going to say that the Kiev administration was uh, decided war because of the language. It was just a question of resources. Yeah. So basically... It's all about the, money. Yeah. Yeah, the east of Ukraine did not accept the coup because it was anti-constitutional. Mm-hmm. And also due to the fact that a gigantic amount of people has been killed and nobody was prosecuted. So yeah. basically, the guys in the East Ukraine, they started to be very scared in regard of the way that the country was shifting because they were thinking that their lives would be at a threat. Well, there was so e-
1: actually ethnic cleansing in Donbass, right? By the Azov and others, they were pushing people out of villages and that kind of stuff. Yeah.
2: Well, actually, this is not just in the East region of Donbass mm-hmm. that this mm-hmm. happened because there was a plan that has been put together to eradicate any kind of uh, contradictions, any kind of opposition. Mm -hmm. And during the eight years uh, after the coup, you had a lot of politicians, a lot of journalists, a lot of citizens that has been disappearing, that has been tortured, Mm -hmm. Uh, and especially in Odessa, uh, actually, right after the coup, there was like a butchery that has been organized by the minister of Inter- of security within Ukraine. It was Avakov mm-hmm. with uh, with a Parubi that has been organizing uh, the killing of the building of syndicate. Mm-hmm. And actually, they are not very lucky because uh, as I was living in uh, Odessa for several years, I had a network of people, of course, and uh, uh, I was directly. Uh, in the relationship with the lawyer that has been investigating within the building. Mm -hmm. And he has been sending me uh, loads of pictures regarding all the murders that has been perpetrated. Mm -hmm. And what is very surprising is that absolutely nobody has been prosecuted. And the SBU has been breaking within his home and telling him that if he was continuing to investigate uh, what happens that day, they will eliminate his family. Mm-hmm. So, this is the reason why he has been leaving the country. And now I know that he's living in the Balkan, but n- where I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm still in contact with him once in a while, but this is the result.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. So, <clears throat> the conclusion of Maidan is the following there was an organized coup by the oligarchs to put their hands on all the resources possible that would be coming from Europe and the US. It was never a question of independence. It was never a question of freedom. It was just a question of money. Because if you look at the Ukraine society, you would understand that the social uh, intrications between Russia and Ukraine is gigantic. Mm -hmm. You have a huge amount of mixed family. Of course, yeah. Russian people married with Ukrainian women, uh, Ukrainian men married with Russian women. So how do you want to divide such a society? It is absolutely impossible. And uh, I am extremely angry against the administrations within the West that has been providing this mechanism because it was not paying attention to the history of those two countries. It's yeah, that's
1: that's where Kiev Rus was, where it all started. So, yeah. actually,
2: you're completely right. Yeah. So, basically, now you have a lot of families that are completely torn apart. You have men that are beating their women because they don't want to speak uh, Ukrainian and so on. This is like a, a social disaster.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Before. In fact, an, in, uh, an engineered
1: before, disaster. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Before, in fact, the war story, it was just a social disaster. Mm-hmm. I had different friends that has been uh, that have been tortured within the SBU because it didn't want, in fact, to speak Ukrainian.
0: Mm.
2: How you can torture somebody because he cannot speak a language that he never speak? Yeah. You know, this yeah. is this is horrendous.
0: Yeah.
2: So. <clears throat> To come back in fact uh, to the uh, the story of war, I want to make it extremely clear that the oligarchs, and especially Akhmetov, mm-hmm. wanted in fact Akhmetov, sorry, yeah. wanted in fact to put their hands on his assets located in Donbass because since the the split between Kiev and Donbass, he has been losing the control of all his assets. And therefore, he couldn't make any more money because this is Donbass people that were taking control of all the the mines and all the natural resources. So to think that the conflict was motivated by a question of integrity of Ukraine is completely wrong. Totally wrong. So basically, what happens between december and february 2022 and actually general valili has been asking me in fact to analyze different videos of uh, military gears that were shifting from a place to another one and if you were observing the sun within the video you would understand immediately that all the materials was coming from the west and going to the east mm-hmm. so what is in the west of donbass this is ukraine Mm -hmm. it is not russia so basically the intentions of the ukrainian was about in fact to attack the donbass to perpetrate a gigantic massacre in the way that the oligarchs will be able in fact to get back their their resources Mm. so vladimir putin knew about that because with satellite you can see anything and he understood but those population, after suffering the way they have been suffering during eight years, they would have failed to face a real genocide.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He has been signing up the recognitions of those Republic, meaning Lugansk and Donetsk, for one reason, because the Duma, the state of Duma, have been asking, in fact, to recognize them. So he had 30 days to sign up the agreements of uh, of recognition, but he knew that if he did so, the Ukrainian will be attacking immediately.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And actually, what happens the 20th and the 21st of February, right before Russia interfered, is that the Ukrainian army started in fact to bomb Donetsk and Lugansk in a very heavy fashion.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: At that point. On the internal political point of view, he didn't have the choice than signing the agreement. But this agreement was set up in three parts. You have the social integrations, social, cultural integration. You have the economical integration. But there was also the security integration. Mm -hmm. So basically, at the moment, Kiev started to bomb the Donbass the two heads of Lugansk and the Donetsk republic have been asking Russia to interfere to protect them. This is exactly the type of deal that NATO is setting up within their constituent. Mm-hmm. If France is attacked by I don't know Iran or whoever, the entire NATO countries will be interfering to protect France.
1: Article 5, yes.
2: Article 5 Mm-hmm. So basically, what happens between the Donbass and Russia is exactly the same thing. And contractually speaking, Russia had to interfere. And actually, I do believe strongly that the Russia did not have the intentions to do so because they were knowing that this would be the source of gigantic problems. I was
1: there, and I I, I didn't think he would invade. I thought he t- might take Donbass, but I, I didn't think he would do... What he did north of Kiev, I, I still don't understand that. Do you have an idea? Because it wasn't a large uh, amount of troops,
2: right? Well, actually, yes, and I have been uh, actually. Uh, uh, your question is very uh, funny because Paul has been calling me and asked if uh, Russia would be interfering, uh-huh. and I have been giving him the schedule at twenty four hour in precision. Mm-hmm. It was obvious that if uh, if he was signing up the agreement for. Whatsoever reason, Kiev would be bombing, and at that moment, you would be sure that Russia would be interfering. So, basically, it was, uh, you know, the guy is how to say, he's very straightforward. Mm-hmm. He's telling you exactly what he will do and what yeah. he's doing. Putin, you mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, basically, in fact, it, uh, this, um, this individual is predictable, it's very un- easy to understand Because he's telling me, he's telling you what he's going to do. Yeah. You see? So basically, four days before attacking, he has been asking the central banks to buy bonds of America. Mm -hmm. If you want to attack a country, are you going to buy the bonds, knowing that you are going to be hit by sanctions? I don't think so. Yeah. So therefore, there was no intention. But because Ukraine has been attacking, was no way to stop it Mm -hmm. so basically when he took the decision he knew that this uh, it was a decision that would be triggering huge amount of trouble but he did it you
0: see
2: so basically here we are are do do you
1: think the the armored incursion north of kiev was just incompetence or a feint or or what to draw troops that way or what do you think it was
2: uh, have you been reading the Art of War of uh, Sensu? When I was in the Air Force Academy, yes. Long time ago. <laughs> so think about what this guy is saying. Uh-huh. Attract your enemy where he's not expecting you. Yeah. To better attack where you have an interest.
1: Okay, so it was a feint, yeah.
2: Exactly. So basically, mm-hmm. this guy has been sending a colon of very old gears. Mm-hmm because he did, he did want, at that point, to leverage the capacity of Ukraine, in fact, to go against the Russian army. And what is very surprising that, very fast, Zelensky wanted to stop the conflict. Mm. And it triggered, in fact, the settlement. Within the settlement, it was specified that the Russian army had, in fact, to withdraw their, their gears from, uh, from Kiev. Mm-hmm. And Russians are very contractual people. When they sign something, they do it. True. The Soviets, so they
1: sign the papers.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They sign, they do. Yeah. And this is, they have been respecting, in fact, their agreement. They mm-hmm. say, we have been signing, we withdraw. Why they would take, in fact, all those old gears that would cost a fortune, in fact, to repatriate in Russia. They, ju- they just left the things on the on the spot. End of the story. But on the south, we know what happens. They have been taking over about 15 to 20 percent of the territory mm-hmm. with less than 150,000 men. Yeah. That was in fact the feint in the way that they will be achieving their goals. And their goals was about to put a buffer zone in the way that here wouldn't be aggressing in fact the Donbass anymore. Yeah. That was the deal. Because when I was hearing the the mainstream media saying that the Russian army wanted to take over Ukraine, I was like, but those guys, they don't understand. In fact, the geography, they don't understand the sociology, of this country they don't understand the politics they don't understand anything just just providing information that is just propaganda
1: yeah that's because all they do yeah
2: in the west of ukraine people are extremely racist they are russophobic you want russia in fact to take this part of territory doesn't make any sense well it's you know pro- that
1: when they when they came to the first peace negotiation the negotiators from ukraine wore the flight jackets from galicia which was the nazi Yes, as battalion. I mean, it was in your face, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. So. so basically, this story of invading Ukraine was completely stupid. It was just propaganda. It was just bullshit. Sorry mm-hmm. about the term, but this is how we call it. So the only goals that Vladimir Putin wanted to feel was about, in fact, to protect the the the, the population of Donbass. Boris Johnson went to Kiev, talked to. Jeninsky and told him not to respect the agreement. Hmm. Right after that, Merkel and Poland has been claiming all over the roofs that, in fact, the story of Minsk II was just uh, a sort of stunt to make sure that Ukraine would be able, in fact, to structure itself to protect and to attack, in fact, the Donbass. So basically, Vladimir Putin, on a diplomatic point of view, got inserted and humiliated. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine, in fact, the anger of this guy and knowing his background, you can be sure that this is not going to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. And from my understanding of the way that uh, Russia is positioning itself, because a have very good relationship with certain numbers of officials. And this is why, in fact, uh, I have been including into the PIA groups that uh, General Paul Valéry has been putting together, in fact, to uh, imagine a settlement uh, solution and to stop the conflict. So basically, to come back to the way that Vladimir Putin is thinking, this guy will never, ever forgive what has been done. Mm-hmm. And now Russia is playing its own cards, And if the Ukrainian continue, in fact, to... Attack and continue their counter-offensive that goes absolutely nowhere, because from our understanding there are 2.5 months. There is about 137,000 peop- uh, soldiers from Afu that has been killed. <clears throat> he will continue, and he will continue, in fact, to acquire territory. Yeah. So this is the reason why they were. Elections organized to leverage the wish of the population within the uh, Southwest Ukraine to see if they wanted to be re-associated to Russia or to stay in Ukraine. And actually this is something that I was talking to my uh, military group in the US, telling them that the only way to stop this conflict is to make sure to balkanize this country to put the ones that want to remain with Russia within Russia and the ones that want to remain with Kiev within Kiev. That will be stopping the conflict immediately. But this solution will go against the interests of oligarchs. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why they will never accept it. Yeah. <clears throat> one, because they will lose a gigantic amount of agricultural lands, which is, the main resource of Ukraine, but also they will lose all the natural resources within the ground that has mm-hmm. been feeding Ukraine during 22 years.
1: So, do you think it, the war will just continue because it's each side has its own reason to keep the war going?
2: Well, let's look at the way that the military operations are, are, are set now. Okay, mm-hmm. we have. Two armies of Ukrainians that has been completely wiped out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You have uh, lines of defense that has been set by Russians that is extremely strong. Mm-hmm. You have a counter-offensive that goes absolutely nowhere because the gears that are sent are not adapted to the ground and the environment. And on top of it most of the gears that were owned by ukraine has been completely wiped out and now they have to deal with materials coming from nato that they are not trained for and you have also a problem of supply chain Mm -hmm. because most of the gears they come from poland which is 1400 kilometers from the front line on the maintenance point of view on the supply point of view this is putting a lot of difficulties because the russians they are destroying the infrastructure of transport especially the railroad the bridges and so on when on the uh, russian point of view most of the warehouse they are at less than 200 300 kilometer so basically to bring the necessary resource and consumable on the front line, is very easy and very fast. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, the materials that is used by the Russian has been improved for the environment and the ground and so on. It's more rustic, it's less sophisticated, there is less electronic in it, but it's very solid. So mm-hmm. therefore, there is no need for maintenance. Yeah, And so this is putting them in a situation that is extremely strong it's also a question of numbers now you have two armies that has been wiped out a third one that is completely diminished and you have the Russian army that is restructuring that is becoming stronger and stronger and uh, with a huge amount of people that goes by themselves to register and to go to fight when on the Ukrainian side you have a lot of people that are, rush, are running away from the registration and don't want to die for the oligarch, because they start to understand what is going on in the port.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And during this conflict, there is a lot of information that starts to spread in regard to the corruption of Kiev, Because this is how those people, they are making an amount of money that is absolutely enormous. and. Yeah. I would like you, in fact, to put on the screen the second slide that I have been putting together in the way that American people will understand the extent of corruption during the conflict. You have the uh, five top guys at the heads of the Ukraine governments that are literally exploding their own fortune. Mm How can you explain that Jelinski, being a comedian, actually is sitting before conflict on $650 million when he was just a comedian playing with his penis on a piano on TV? I saw him several years. Yeah. And now he is sitting on an asset of $1.5 billion. How is this possible when this guy is going from a meeting to a meeting? From a show to a show and from a magazine to a magazine. This is, he's making more money than Elon Musk in one month.
1: Yeah.
2: This is just crazy. So basically, I have been uh, uh, sourcing different information, but because I still have a lot of contacts in Ukraine and uh, they are uh, raising information to me. Most of the, um, humanitarian help has been confiscated by the heads of Kiev and distributed within a network of supermarkets to the population, not distributed but sold to the population at the threefold of the initial price. So basically the US and the Europe sending humanitarian helps, Susky so they confiscated and they sell it, in fact, to fill their pocket.
1: Right. It's a big washing machine. Yeah.
2: Exactly. But this mm-hmm. is not all. Mm-hmm. Because to escape the mobilization, you have a huge amount of young men that are rushing to the borders. And they are bribing, in fact, the, 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 the gatekeepers to escape, to go to the front line. And this cost them an average of 5 to 30 K mm-hmm. to escape to Europe. Mm-hmm. What I have been hearing is that the administration of leave have been putting in their pocket $300 million to leave those people rushing to Europe. Yeah. You, uh, there is a, an enormous scandal of organ trafficking that is organized right now in ukraine to puncture the organ of the dead soldiers and also the kidnapping of kids within gombas to sell the organs in fact to european companies i am and, and uh, the
1: west and the americans and the biden administration is supporting all this and making money off of it too and the yeah. defense contractors i mean it's a big just the people are suffering
2: yeah. <laughs> Actually, I am in touch with a journalist, a French journalist that Mm -hmm. is based in Donbass for seven years now, uh, Miss Christelle Nehan. She is a very good friend Mm -hmm. and uh, she's working on these topics. And uh, very soon I will provide you a video that will explain how those guys, they are proceeding, in fact, to kidnap the kids and then after to operate them to take all their organs. Yeah. This is Sorry. absolutely terrible. It's
1: evil,
2: yes. Uh, there is also another source of uh, money uh, that is very, uh, very simple. This is, in fact, the military equipments that are sent by uh, the, 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 different, uh, the different administration in Europe and, uh, and the U.S. And the uh, personal equipments for soldiers are sold within boutiques, that are owned by the people in Kiev. Mm -hmm. I have all the proof, I know the boutiques, I know the name of the people running it, and they are making an amount of money that is uh, is just indecent. There is also another way for them to make a lot of money, this is to sell the guns outside the country. And uh, Kosovo has been becoming the platform for uh, for distributing all the weapons all over through Moldavia. because I, I laughed
1: when the, the Greek airplane, when the Ukrainian aircraft with the Ukrainian crew crashed in Greece and, and exploded on the runway because it was full of explosives. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and actually, in fact, the biggest traffic is through Moldavia.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They are filling the the train with grain. Mm-hmm. But uh, below the grain, you can imagine what you can find. Okay. Yeah. And those weapons, now you are finding them in South America, because these are cartels that are equipping themselves, especially Mm -hmm. in Mexico, Mm -hmm. because now you are the DEA that want to clean, in fact, the the contiguous uh, area with USA to install European companies in needs of very cheap energy.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, I have been sourcing some very sensitive information regarding uh, uh, documents that the RAND Institute has been providing. And they were explaining how to blow the European economy, in fact, to make sure that US will be taking over Europe, which is a very bad calculation for one reason. A huge amount of companies in the US are making their numbers in Europe. Mm -hmm. If they destroy the European economy, then those companies, they will not make their numbers. And at the end of the story, what is going to happen is that this is the stock market, Nasdaq and Dow Jones that that are going to be uh, impacted. Yes. So basically the Biden administration has been beating uh, has been bidding against its own economy yeah so this is the source of a gigantic scandal because and of miscalculation also because they were thinking that Russia was just a big gas station with a few nuke weapon but they don't understand the structure of the Russian economy that has been completely revamped since Vladimir Putin. And very
1: resilient and doesn't need the West as much
0: anymore.
2: Yeah. I have been visiting Moscow a few times. I have been working with Russian people and Mm -hmm. I have been leveraging their capacity of adaptation first. But also, I have been measuring at which point Russia has been catching up with their uh, late uh, uh burning wall collapse. This society has been suffering a lot during 20 years, but yes. in the 2000 to the 2020, they have been restructuring themselves and their economy is very strong. So basically thinking that the people at the heads of Russia was weak and they were not able, in fact, to understand what they need to do to counterpart all the sanctions was a gigantic mistake. Yeah, I've I been agree. meeting with uh, Sergei Glazev. He was the economical advisor of Vladimir Putin. And I have been understanding what those cases have been putting together to circumvade the SWIFT. And yeah. this has been occurring since 2017. And nobody knew about it. So of basically, it's a vulnerability.
1: They have to do that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They were thinking that cutting off, in fact, the SWIFT, they will put the Russian economy on the ground was a gigantic mistake. And now what is happening is that because Russia is facing up America, because they are structuring themselves in the way that they are gathering within the uh, the BRICS a new way to exchange natural resources, mm-hmm. avoiding, in fact, to use the dollar, this is going to impact the American economy in a terrible manner. Yes. Because buying natural resources was necessitating to buy dollar first. And now that this is not the case anymore, that means that the U.S. debt is not supported anymore. So how the economy in the U.S. is going to be supported? But this is, you know, people think, oh, we are going to win. We are going to lose. No, it doesn't work that way. Because the world needs a balance. Sure. And if America is collapsing today, Europe is going to be impacted very deeply. And everybody will be impacted very deeply. Because who is the manufacturing entity of the world today? This is China. If US is not consuming, if Europe is not consuming the product that China is China's
1: got major problems right now. China
2: is going to collapse. If China is going to collapse, there will be no needs for energy and Russia will be collapsing. So basically, it seems to me that there was a gigantic miscalculation or...
1: I think it was on purpose.
2: Exactly. On the other side, there is another theory that would admit that this was done on the on purpose to exchange the dollar against an electronic currency Mm -hmm. that would be, in fact, the source of control of population. Yes, exactly. I have been uh, uh, hearing some uh, panelists within the World Economic Forum during which the guy was saying, electronic currency is a super tool to control the population because we can put piece of codes within it that would avoid people to consume this type of product or to buy energy or something. Yeah, on. sure. <clears throat> so, anybody in the street would, uh, would tag you immediately of conspirationist and so on. But when you are hearing the guy saying it explicitly, where is conspiration? Where is the complotism? There is nothing like that. I think it people is- are
1: waking up to this, but but yeah. slowly, you know, slowly need to be faster, but
2: slowly. Yeah, and actually, in fact, uh, yesterday night I was discussing with a with a lawyer that has been setting up a lawsuit in the U.S. It's Todd the Carpenter. You might know him, mm-hmm. and I have been bringing him evidences that the DOD has been financing Screen Company to test the COVID before yes. pandemic. So he has been taking all the elements and he's joining the elements that are impossible to reject because this is in the government spending of America. Yeah, it's
1: DOD-backed. I mean, yeah. Pfizer is exactly. the front. They and just
2: told Pfizer to push it, yeah. You have, in fact, the full proof that this virus was tested in Ukraine before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So when people are going to realize these kind of things, when they will have, in fact, the proof in front of them. And actually, I've been writing a book oh. about my experience in Ukraine. I am about to release it very soon. And every video, yeah, uh, I have three, uh, three publisher. One is in Ireland. This is Paul Valeri that has been introducing me. Uh. There is one in France and there is one uh, one in Russia. Well, let me know if you ever need a publisher. We have a very good platform. <laughs> oh, that would be that would be very good, actually. Yes, and I would be glad, in fact, to work with you because Perfect. American people they need to understand what is cooking in this sport. Yes, that is against their own interests, that they are spoiled of their own resources, and this is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, and especially in regard of what happens in Maui last week. Which has been heartbreaking for me because I have been, when I was younger, I was a big windsurfer and spear uh, spearfisher, and I was spending a lot of time in Maui. I've been spending mm-hmm. about almost five months there. Mm-hmm. And when I saw Lahaina completely destroyed, it has been just killing me. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I see from here that there will be a lot of virtue that are going to take advantage of the Hawaiian people against, in fact, their own living. Yes. And when I see that the uh, US government is doing absolutely nothing Nothing. to help those people that are in a level of distress that is terrible, and they are helping corrupted people in Ukraine to go against a population that just want to live in peace, this is driving me absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. When I saw that the American government is sending a help of $700 to sustain the living of the people that has been seeing their lives completely going in smoke. This is outraging. Yeah. Outraging. Yes.
1: Well, you could make a case that was it was organized. I mean, they turned off the water, they turned off the phones, they turned off, they left the electricity on. They, there was a lot of things that are very strange about all this. The sirens, did them, the warnings did, were turned off. I mean, very strange.
2: Yeah. yeah and actually in fact to 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 come back to this money that is flowing away uh I want to go in precision of what is happening in Europe right now. Mm-hmm. We have waves of refugees mm-hmm. refugees mm-hmm. that are fleeing the conflict. most of them they come from the west of Ukraine. Is there a conflict there? no. no. Do you see people of Donbass coming in Europe? No. They're going to Russia. They go to Russia. Mm -hmm. And actually, you know, right after Maidan, four million Ukrainians in regards of the ethnic cleansing that has been occurring, they have been fleeing, not in Europe. They went straight to Russia Mm -hmm. because it was their culture. Yeah. So basically, when we see the amount of people coming from Ukraine, that has been rushing in Russia today, you can imagine that, in fact, the one that has been suffering the most, they don't go in Europe, they go, in fact, to get protected where they are. Sure, this would be happening. You see? Yes, I agree. You, have, uh, you have about 8 million people that has been rushing to Russia now. And the people that we are seeing here in Europe they are taking advantage of everything. They don't want to work. They are getting apartment for free. They are getting uh, a financial package. They are getting school for free, transportation for free. Mm-hmm. If you go to Courchevel, you will see a group of young people, 30 years old, spending 26,000 euro in Champagne and Caviar claiming that Slava-Ukraine yeah. with the flag and, and this and that. Yeah. Who can spend $26,000 in Champagne within the U.S. population or the European population? Who has this buying power? And I am going to explain you what is happening in Ukraine now. Most of the bankers... They are providing loans to their own kids with zero salary, with no guarantee of reimbursement, nothing. And they are getting amount of money that is just it's yeah. it's indecent. We see those people on the Côte d'Azur, we see those people in Monaco, actually, in fact, the Odeon Tower. You have two families of Ukrainian people that are renting the penthouse for half a million euro per month <laughs> for the last 16 months. Who can spend $6 million in rent on an apartment in Monaco? Don't tell me this is the low people that are sent to the front line. Yeah. yeah would right. not you go to Vienna. I just come back from there because I was inv- invited. In the Academy of Rain Affair, I was in front of the ambassador of uh, of Austria in Russia. And I have been seeing in the street huge amount of luxury cars with Ukrainian flags. Why just guys they are not on the front line? You see 30 years old, 40 years old guys with 150 to 200 dollar cars that are driving around in very a nice and luxury restaurant. So basically, what we are observing here is that Kiev is sending, in fact, the poor guys on the front line to get killed for a country that they don't own anymore. Mm -hmm. 40% of the lands in Ukraine have been sold to American groups.
1: land reform.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Kyrgyz, Monsanto, uh, BlackRock. BlackRock uh, Black uh, has been putting their hands on the, on 75% of the infrastructure that is uh, sup- uh, that is suppo- uh, supposed to support the Belt and Road Initiative. Mm-hmm. So basically, those guys they are getting killed for a, comp- uh, for a country that they don't own anymore. Yeah. But the worst of it is that what they don't realize is that the 15 million people that has been fleeing away They will never come back because now they have been, in fact, having a great living. They are provided. They're
1: They're fine. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Very, very fine. Actually, I have a a, a small anecdote. Uh, Rajnikov, the Ministry of Army in Ukraine, has been buying a penthouse, uh, no, a mansion to his daughter on the Cote d'Azur, very close to, uh, to Cannes, for 8 million euros. Mm-hmm. That's American money. Yes. Yeah. Explain to me how a minister of army in the Ukraine making less than 8000 euros per month can buy a mention of 8 million. million okay. euro? It's impossible. Yeah, absolutely impossible. So basically. In my opinion, the American people, they need to awake They need to understand that they are flowing of their own resources. Their government is lying to them. Their government is taking advantage of them. Their government are responsible for one million people dying of the COVID-19. Yes. Their government is responsible for the poisoning of Pfizer and Moderna.
1: I completely agree. So, That's another show we can go into that
2: more in depth. And actually, I have a message for them. And I have a message for President, former President Trump. Sir, make sure you are going to take over and you will be running this country in the way the swamp will be completely cleaned. Yes. You have been promising during your first mandate, in fact, to proceed so, but... I understand you are a nice guy and you haven't been seeing the attacks that were coming from the bottom. But in your next mandate, I am asking you to do the job and to make sure that the American people will be protected from all those criminals. This is my message. This is my message to American people.
1: Well, with that, let's leave it there. But I um, can tell right now I want to have you back and talk more about other subjects. So okay. thank you very much for your time. You want to say anything else? Go ahead.
2: Uh, I was very pleased, in fact, to be able to express myself. And uh, I wish that American people will realize everything that I am telling them.
1: Well, let's get together thank for you, uh, for a,
2: uh, a beer sometime. OK. OK. That would okay. be with great pleasure. Let's take uh this uh the issue of my books on the side and uh, we will I will, I will
1: email you. We we will discuss that for sure. Okay, super. Thank you very much,
0: Todd. Have a good day. Take care, cheers.